Well, the year's 2009, not this year, but in the story, 2009, and it's 7.50 a.m., and I'm pumped. This is the first day of Hebrew. I'm going to learn Hebrew. I'm excited. I mean, I've been looking forward to this for who knows how long. I don't even know, so I'm ready to go, and it's important to know it's 7.50 a.m. in the story because Hebrew class started at 7.45, so now I'm a little stressed, but that's Okay. I opened up this door, and this room is packed. They brought in, in chairs and desks, but that's okay. Guess where the only open seat was, though? Across the room, second from the row, second from the front, second row. And a lot of you know that my right leg does not bend, so here I am stepping over people and hitting people and stepping over, I'm sorry, and hitting people, and I'm scuffing shoes and shins and I'm so embarrassed, and then I hear the professor say, yeah, there's some handouts up front. So I have to go up to the front, and there's like 12, I'm not kidding, 12 handouts. So I'm just grabbing them, finally make it to my seat, so embarrassed, and he says, let's pray. I'm like, yes, we need to pray. So we pray. And he begins, and he says, oh, Lord, thank you for the Apostle Paul and his letter to the Romans and how you have preserved it for us today. And I'm thinking, yeah. Thank you for Paul, God, and thank you for Romans, but what does this have to do with Hebrew? And that's when it hit me. I look down. I'm in New Testament 105. I'm in the wrong class. I'm not in Hebrew, and I don't know what to do, but he's still praying this long prayer, and I'm thinking, I'm really late. And, I, and I'm like, okay, which he says amen. He says amen, and I look to the guy to my right, who I stepped on. I'm like, <laughs> wrong class. Excuse me. And then the whole way out... Man, you know, that kind of embarrassment and that shame almost, that humiliation. You're just like, ah, oh, I'm an idiot. Well, no time for that because I got to find my class. So I shoot downstairs. There's a board that has all the class listings. There's a guy named Darius, and he's late too for Hebrew 101. He says, are you looking for OT 101? I'm like, yeah. He goes, me too. It's on the third floor. So we hustle up to the third floor. It's well past 8 o'clock now. We come in the door. It's a packed class. The professor is in the middle of his lecture now. He turns and looks at us. The whole class turns and looks at us. And guess where, you, where the only two open seats are? Now nah, they're in the back. So, <laughs> so we sat down real fast. And he, he started into the lecture. And man, I just, I was so embarrassed and humiliated. I, kind of, I wanted to cry. I was so excited, so ready to learn Hebrew. And I didn't even care anymore. I just wanted to go home and start over the next day. And I just, I was so, I couldn't control my thoughts and my emotions. And then I looked over uh, at Darius, or Darius, he goes by Darius. And he had this big, gracious smile on his face. And that was all the grace I needed to just let things go. I mean, his grace, he didn't say a word, but his, his grace said, it's okay, you're where you belong now. Just let it go, let go of the embarrassment. Let go of the humiliation. You're okay. And that grace really freed me up, and it, in a way it cheered me on to letting things go. And I know it's kind of a long story, but I really believe today God is telling us, hey, you're my sons and you're my daughters. You belong to me, regardless of what you're feeling or what you may be thinking this morning. We belong to him. I have not turned on this, so I better do that. And so... This leads us kind of into the issue that Paul has today. The background here is the Corinthians are holding themselves back from Paul because they're holding on to some sin. 
And, and the Corinthians are kind of like me in the New Testament. They don't even need to be there. They're in the wrong place. They know it. And God's saying, hey, you need to be with me. And some of us, though, we're with God, but we just, we're kind of held back by maybe some thoughts, some emotions, some attitudes maybe we have, or maybe some choices that we've had. And, and, and those things in our life are kind of holding us back from God. And so what Paul's going to say is this. He's going to say, you're acting crazy. I mean, you're acting nutso, okay? Stop it. And, and stop because this is who you are. And he's going, to get in, he's going to remind them who they are. And Paul has this deep concern for the believers because he knows the longer that they join and belong to things that don't belong to God, the more alienated they're going to feel towards God and the more alienation they're going to feel towards God, the more joy they're going to miss out on being sons and daughters of God. And instead of our passage today, starting in verse 11, 12 and 13, that this is the emotional high point of the entire letter. Paul is begging for them. He's saying, don't hold back from me any longer. And we're going to see that. Hopefully I can catch his emotion. But a question for us today is this. As sons and daughters of God, what thoughts, attitudes, or choices do we refuse to let go that might be causing us to miss out on experiencing the full joy of what it means to be sons and daughters? So to give us some context, I'm going to jump back up to verse 1. I'm going to talk about the first two verses, then I'm just going to read right on into our passage today. In verse 1, chapter 6, 2 Corinthians, it says, And working together with him, and Paul's saying working together with God in this ministry of reconciliation and new life and transformation, I urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. And I don't think Paul is saying, hey, you might not actually be Christians. You may have actually received God's grace in vain. I don't think he's saying that. I think his point in, in what's true for us as Christians, as people who are sealed by the Holy Spirit to the day of redemption, if, if we choose to belong to things that don't belong to God, we are running a huge risk of missing out on the joy he has for us as his sons and daughters right here, right now. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. This is being saved by grace. Grace has appeared in Jesus, and through him we have eternal life. And grace saves us, but grace just doesn't save us. Grace changes us. And he goes on to say in verse 12, Grace instructs us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. If we let it, grace can change us. It can teach us how to no longer live ungodly and for the worldly desires, but to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. And Paul's deep concern is that these believers will miss out on that joy. As sons and daughters, if they continue to refuse to let go of the things they're holding on to, he is so concerned that they're going to miss the joy that there is in this life. And so, verse 2, he quotes an Old Testament verse from Isaiah 52. He says, at the acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And and the point he is quoting this for is urgency. Now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day. No, No longer hang on to these things. Now is the day to let grace work in your life. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day to let God's grace transform you and change you. Quit holding on to the things that's hindering that process. And so now, 
I'm probably going to lose my voice doing this, but to try and gain Paul's emotion and his deep concern and urgency. I'm just going to read, so hang on. In working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, at the acceptable time, I listen to you. And on the day of salvation, I help you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, giving no cause for offense in anything, so that the ministry will not be discredited. But in everything, committing ourselves as servants, but in everything, committing ourselves as servants in, in much endurance and affliction and hardship and distress and beatings and imprisonments and tumults and labors and sleeplessness and hunger and impurity and knowledge and patience and kindness and the Holy Spirit and genuine love and the word of truth by the power of God for the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left hand, by the glory and by dishonor, by evil report, by good report, regarded as deceivers yet true, as unknown yet well known, as dying, behold, we live as punished, yet not put to death, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, yet possessing all things. Our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is wide open to you. You are not restrained by us. We are not holding you back, but you are restrained by your own affections. You are holding yourselves back from us. And now, in a like exchange, just as we've opened up to you, I speak as to children. Please open wide to us also. Paul is begging them, come back, let go of the things you're hanging on to and come back because there's so much joy. And he says in verse 14, he says, do not be bound together with unbelievers. And like I said, Paul's going to say two things, and and we're right here in this first one where he's saying, hey, you're kind of acting like crazy people. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense what you're doing. And, And maybe the specific thing they were doing was they were marrying unbelievers, but the big idea, as we're going to see in these couple of verses, is that we are not to be mismatched. We're not to join or belong to the things that do not belong to God. We're not to be mismatched, connecting who we are with the things that are not of God. And this doesn't mean that we don't associate with unbelievers. This doesn't mean that we can't be friends with people who aren't Christians. That's not at all what Paul's saying. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, he says, hey, do associate with them. Um, what Paul is saying is, don't act like them. Don't match your lifestyle with their lifestyle. He's saying you need to shine like you're meant to shine because you belong to the source of all light, the light of the world, Jesus Christ. In this book, back in chapter 4, verse 6, he says, let light shine out of darkness. Paul's saying this is crazy. It doesn't make any sense that you would belong or, and go to places and do things with people that don't belong to God and live like them. And going on in verse 14, he says, For what partnership have righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Belial, maybe your Bible says Belial. This is a name for Satan. You know, that's kind of a crazy couple, Jesus and Satan. You don't really expect to see them on the golf course. It would just be weird. You don't, they don't belong together. And then he goes on and says, Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Now, the temple of God back then, the temples, it was holy. It was for God. And everything in the temple was holy and for God and set apart for God. All the utensils and the furniture, everything in the temple was holy and it belonged to God. And he's saying it doesn't make sense to bring in idols to God. That'd just be, into his temple, that'd be crazy. In AD 26, Governor Pilate, you guys know that guy, he brought into Jerusalem Roman standards and effigies of Caesar. And he about 
started a war with the Jewish nation because you don't bring idols into God's city. So how much more crazy is it to bring idols into God's temple? For Paul, a Jew, he's saying it doesn't make sense that these two would go together. And again, Paul's concern is that by doing this, they're going to miss out. They're going to be robbed of what it means to belong to God. And so on top of pointing out the crazy behavior of the Corinthians, Paul then shifts and reminds them. He says, this is crazy because this is who you are. And that's where we're going next. Verse 16 says, for we are the temple of the living God. See, the Corinthians also had been made holy. They also had been set apart for God. They also belonged to God. And he says, and I will dwell in them, and I will walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. We, like the Corinthians, are made holy in Jesus. We have been set apart for use by God. We belong to God as God's people. And it's crazy that we would would act like anything else. Yeah, you know, it could be a little sin over here that we're holding on to and that we just don't want to let go. But it could also be an attitude. It could be resentment. It could be jealousy. It could be bitterness. It could be this attitude like, I'll get you back. That's not of God. It could be thoughts. It could be those anxious thoughts maybe, some thoughts of fear. It could be skepticism. It could be a critical nature. It could be a number of things that we could hang on to that's not of God, that's robbing us of experiencing the joy of being sons and daughters today. We are the people of God and we belong to God. We don't belong to these thoughts. We don't belong to these attitudes. We don't belong to these choices. We belong to God. So I'm going to repeat the question that I had earlier. As children of God, what are some thoughts? What are some attitudes maybe? What are some choices that we've made or been making that by holding on to them, they're causing us to miss out on experiencing the full joy of, sons, of being sons and daughters. If you have a bulletin, in the bulletin, I put down, I belong to God, not to my, and it's a blank. I left it a blank on purpose. Because whatever, whatever you think God is saying to you today, and, and maybe you need to take it home and pray about it. And maybe you just need to humbly ask, hey, Jesus, what is it in my life that maybe I don't know about that's holding me back from experiencing the full joy that you have for me as your son and as your daughter. For me, to be honest, I, I, I hold on to doubt. I doubt myself. I doubt, um, and, and ultimately I doubt God because I think, what are you doing? Like, I don't know if you notice, we do not have the biggest and baddest and flashiest youth group in town. And and we don't have some things that I wish we had that, that would happen. And I get, somehow I put that on myself, and I have these thoughts creeping, like, man, maybe I'm not cut out for ministry. Maybe I shouldn't be here, you know? All my friends are making money and playing golf at 3 in the afternoon, and, and they're in their 30s. Like, what kind of job was that? So maybe I don't belong here. But i got to let go of these thoughts because God has called me. I'm here for a reason, and he has a purpose and a plan for me, right? And same for all of us. we got to let these thoughts that hold us back and these thoughts and attitudes that are going to rob us of the joy that, that God has for us as his children. In God's grace, it says to me, hey, Eric, you know what? Yeah, you, you might be a failure. 
uh, yeah, you may have messed up, but those mess-ups, those failures, they don't touch God's grace. And because they don't touch God's grace, God's grace is free to touch me and to pick me up when I'm down and to cheer me on and, and to encourage me on to that joy that there is as being his son. And God's grace says to all of us, sons and daughters, you too can experience the joy, the full joy of being his sons and daughters. But we have to, uh, to realize we can't hang on to things that are going to hinder that. We can't hold on to, to lies that are like, I'm not beautiful enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not significant. Um, we can't hang on to feelings or thoughts of guilt and shame and, and doubts. We can't hold on to those things. Those things will only cause us to miss out on the joy that God has for us. And Paul knows this. In verse 17 he says, Therefore come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean. And when we do this, when we finally let go of some things that are holding us back, maybe some haunting thoughts or some attitudes, when we can let go of those things and say, yeah, okay, I don't feel like I belong here with you, Jesus, but you know what? You call me a son, and you call me a daughter, and you say I belong. So here I am, and that grace will touch you, and it will change you, and it's beautiful. And I know it's beautiful because... Look what he says at the end of verse 17. He says, and I will welcome you. This is a sentence, it's a promise of intimate connectedness with the God of the universe. And he says, when you stop holding on to this junk and you start being with me, I'll welcome you. And you're going to experience the joy of what it's like to be a son or a daughter. Verse 18 says, and I will be a father to you. And you, sh- you will be sons and daughters to me. And like Brian said in the prayer, Listen to me carefully. We do not become sons and daughters because we've done something. We've cleaned up our life. We've thrown out the trash. And we say, here I am, Jesus. I'm ready. That's not how it works. We become sons and daughters by faith in Jesus Christ. He saves us, not on the basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness, but by his mercy. But listen, as sons and daughters, if if we choose to hang on to this baggage is garbage maybe in our life or, or maybe just even, not even sin, but just a thought that's holding us back from his grace. We can miss out on the joy and it's a unique and special joy that he has for us. John 1.12 says, but as many as received him, then he gave the right to become children of God. Right where you are, if you're like, you know, Eric, I don't even know if I'm a child of God. I don't know if I'm a son or daughter. Right where you sit, you can put your faith in Jesus and you will become his child. We are saved by faith, and faith alone in Jesus. Story time. Um, you guys know Eli. He's a ball of energy. And I try to get it out of him by running around the house and chasing him. And, and we play, and we have a good time. And, and, and we just go in circles, and I sweat. But anyway, I caught him, and... I'm like tickling him, and he's laughing, and I'm laughing. He's got the biggest smile, and I got a big smile. And, I'm, I, and this one time, I'm just like hanging over him like this, and I'm like, I got you. And we're like having this moment of joy. And, and I remember thinking like, man, this is what it's about. This is what it's about, being a father and having a son, and, and just nothing else mattered. You know, I wasn't even thinking about anything else in the world at that moment. We were just laughing and experiencing this unique and special joy there is 
between a father and a son. And in that moment, he just slaps me. And I looked at him, and he knows he messed up. And he gets to look like, I should have done that. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? And in a moment like that, the joy and the laughter was gone. Like that, Eli's laughing and joy just turned to sorrow and tears because he hates going to timeout. And, and my joy and, and laughter was, was done because now I'm frustrated. Like, I was being a good dad, and he slapped me in the face. Like, what is wrong with this kid? The joy we are meant for as sons and daughters is unique and special. And we miss out on it so much when we slap our Heavenly Father in the face by choosing to belong to things that do not belong to Him. We are meant for so much joy. And the good news is this. No matter how many slaps you've landed, doesn't matter the choices you've made, they cannot and will not ever make God love us any less than He loves us. We cannot affect his love for us by our choices. He is a good father, and he loves us beyond what we can even imagine. And I know some of us have probably landed some pretty good slaps. And we think maybe, we have these thoughts that we need to let go, that, that we think, yeah, I know God loves me, but I, I don't know how he could ever really love me. I don't really feel like he loves me because of all the things I've done or maybe some of the things I've said in the past. And, and we're holding on to this lie that, God's love and his grace goes up and down with our ups and downs, and that's not grace, okay? God's grace says who you are is not defined by what you've done or where you've been or how you feel about yourself. You're exactly who God says you are, and he says you're a son, and he says you're a daughter today, and he says today you belong to me, and you don't even know the joy that I have for you, that if you would just let go of these things that don't belong in our family, you don't even know how much joy I have for you, and I want us all to hear that today, and if there's something holding you back from experiencing the full joy of being sons and daughters, grace says let it go. Grace says you can let it go. Because whatever it is you're hanging on to, it doesn't touch his grace. His grace is untouchable. And because, like I said, whatever you've done, whatever you're holding on to, because it doesn't touch his grace, his grace is free to touch you and to change you. Just like Darius' smile that morning really changed me and freed me up to say, let go of the embarrassment, let go of the humiliation, let go of feeling like an idiot, so too God's grace says, you belong to him, you are loved, period. You can let go of the thoughts, you can let go of the attitudes, you can let go of the choices that do not belong to God because God's grace is bigger than your thoughts, his grace is bigger than your attitudes, and his grace is bigger than your choices. Our last verse, verse seven, or sorry, chapter seven, verse one, it says, therefore, having these promises, and these are the promises that he's just talked about, the promise of experiencing what it's like to be a son and a daughter of God, uh, the promise of God welcoming us in this deep and intimate fellowship with him. He says, beloved. Beloved. That means you're loved. You are loved. And when you feel like maybe I'm not lovable because of all the things I've been trying to hang on to and all the junk that I've been holding on to in my life, and God just maybe 
doesn't love me because of it. Grace says you're loved. And maybe you feel like, I don't belong really to God. I'm worthless. Grace says you are his. Beloved, sons and daughters of God, cleanse yourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit. And flesh and spirit there is what's called a mirrorism. It means everything about you. And the word to, to cleanse, that word actually means to cut, to prune, to cut it out, cut it off. And that doesn't sound like it's going to be very comfortable. It sounds kind of painful. And maybe it might be a little painful for some of us today to cut out the things that are holding us back from the joy of being his son or the joy of being his daughter. Because here's the goal. Perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Perfecting holiness means to arrive at the goal of living holy. To arrive at the goal of living holy. Let's cut free from these thoughts that are not holy. Let's cut free from these attitudes that are not holy. Let's cut free from these choices that are not holy so that way we can experience the full joy, this unique and special joy that we have with the Father. So where do we begin? I was talking with a college guy just before Christmas. His name's Clay. He's right there. He's hiding now. And we're just hanging out, talking, he, and he's sharing with me what's going on in his life. And he reads this thing that he wrote out of his journal, and he read it to me. And I said, I'm going to steal that for my sermon. And he, I think he said, I stole it from someone else. I don't know. But under application, the first thing, where we begin, I think it's identity. We got to remember and know and really hang on to who we are as sons and daughters, regardless of how we feel or what we think about ourselves. And this is what he he shared with me that I stole. Don't let who you are come from the things you've done, but let the things you do come from who God says you are. And church family, you and I are sons and daughters of the king of the universe. And that's the truth. It's who you are. It's who I am. And it has has nothing to do about where we've been or what we've done. You can let the feelings and attitudes and choices go this morning. I was also talking with our very own Stephen Scott here, who I think is going to come up and strum the guitar. And he said something that led me to something which then led me to another thought, which I wanted to share with you today. And it's under our second point, which I think is community. And it's this. We will always be held back from God who is in the light when we are too scared to let go of our own things in the dark. Grace has a hard time touching us in the dark and transforming us because so much grace happens in community. And community happens out in the open. And I can't encourage you and I can't love you if I don't know what's going on. In this church family, we can't rally behind you and we can't cheer you on to experiencing the full grace that there is in being sons and daughters of God unless we know what's going on. Transformation happens together. We transform and grow together. And as I finish, I'm just going to read... Verse 3 of chapter 7, it says, I do not speak to condemn you, for I have said before, you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. We are all in this together. And learning how to be holy is messy, and it requires a lot of grace from everyone. But we are meant to die together to these thoughts and these attitudes and these choices that do not belong to God. And we are meant to live together and experience the full joy of what it means to be sons and and daughters of God together. 
There's no better time to start this than today, January 1, right? As you're thinking about your year ahead of you and maybe the choices that you made in the past and where you're going and what you want to see, and you're thinking about goals, why not make a goal, the goal here, to arrive at the goal of living holy, perfecting holiness and fear of the Lord, so that you can experience the full joy of what it means to be a son and daughter this next year now is the acceptable time now is the day to let grace transform you